0: Welcome back to For FinTech's Sake. I'm your host Zach Anderson Pettit. My guest this week is Ike Arum, founder and CEO at Rise Vest. Rise is a Nigerian-based company giving access to a portfolio of dollar-based investments, 100% managed by experts. They've made access to the best global investment opportunity easy in an area where hyperinflation and corruption are pervasive. Ike and I first met when I was mentoring for the Techstars Western Union program. I couldn't believe the growth trajectory, I couldn't believe the intensity of the problem they're solving, and I couldn't believe the quality of human that I met that was working on solving it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the great and powerful Ike at Room let's start with how are you and where are you my dude because you have been jumping all over the map
1: yeah i'm doing great uh, i'm actually wonderful um i'm currently in columbia south carolina so yeah i I'm didn't even school know school south carolina
0: had a columbia how'd you end up in columbia <laughs> south carolina dude
1: um it was school so i went to school um south carolina state uh, 40 minutes from here um so shout out to the Bulldogs listening. And um, I went to school here, moved to Atlanta um, right after school for work a few, almost, just just under a year. And then moved back here because I was going to work out of our Columbia office while doing my MBA. The thing is, I ended up, you know, while I was still working, starting a company. And that kind of like slowly weird thing just took off. And it was based out of Lagos. And so the whole MBA situation got canceled. Um, and I ended up, you know, entering the startup world. So that was around 2017. So I've been in here since then. And I've stayed here because it's, it's cheap. It's easy. It's low cost. Easy to live here and do whatever I do around the world. And so, yeah, I, and I love it here.
0: If the top reason that you're there is that it's cheap, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to put on a hard sell to get your ass to Kansas city then because it's cheap, <laughs> it's cheap. And we could be doing this in person right now. Imagine, you know? imagine the world.
1: That'd be that'd be great, and I have a cousin that that, that lived in Kansas. Um, I've always planned to visit her, so you know, maybe maybe we actually will. You will see me out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, sounds like sounds like somebody's not being a very good cousin. Sounds like we need to get you out here. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
1: yep, gotta fix that. Yeah, but sure, so
0: so tell me tell me about life growing up. Did you grow up in Lagos, or did you like spend time in your youth in Nigeria, or like how how did you end up in the U.S. for for school?
1: yeah so i i was so i was born in um it's like this french speaking african country Um, oh
0: i think i forgot you you speak french don't you a little bit not not nearly
1: enough uh yeah i guess that's about the level of french i can speak so (laughs) just but yeah i moved back when i was a kid um and then from when i was six lived in a city called abba so it's um, it's in the eastern part of Nigeria. Um, lived there from six till nineteen. Um, and actually, when I was nineteen, I was just about to start school in Nigeria, um, but I lost my mom that year. So around March of that year, and oh, I just, man. you know, I just figured, you know what? I kind of want to just, you know, get away from a lot of things at that moment. And so, um, even though at first I was reluctant about going to school in the U.S., um, but I was like, hey. It's like about as far away from home as I could get. And so I just, you know, moved to the U.S. Um, by August of 20, 2009. Yep. August so, yeah. 2009.
0: Man, I didn't, I, yeah, I, I know you somewhat, I thought, or I, I do. I mean, I know I know you <laughs> somewhat, but I didn't know the part about your mom kind of driving you over here. That's... It makes a lot of sense. I'm sorry, bro, but that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, also, did, did I ever tell you that I grew up being taught by mostly African teachers? Have we ever had really? that conversation? I have, yeah,
1: I've never talked about this. That's insane. How?
0: Is that
1: um, like in school or?
0: Yeah, this is very funny because so I grew up, I mean, I grew up in Kansas City. I've been here my whole life, but I actually like tell the story that my first startup was the school that I went to when I was growing up. So up until like second grade, I grew up in the hood and I went to a really bad school up until like second grade. And then this new school started called Academy Lafayette, which was supposed to be a French immersion school. And it was, but it was, it was a startup, dude. Like I I graduated with like nine kids in my class in eighth grade. And I, I had like, literally I had a Nigerian English teacher who barely spoke English. We, we learned everything (laughs) in French it was hilarious man it was in retrospect it was hilarious yeah now i mean now i find it funny at that point i was like what is happening um but yeah dude i've been i've been speaking french since i was like six and most of the dialect like the dialect that is most near and dear to my heart is is african i mean african and canadian for the most part but like if you drop me in paris it it takes me a minute but yeah yeah so we have we have weird shit in common
1: (laughs) I know, right? That's interesting. I would have never predicted that, like right in the middle of Kansas. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's dope. That's dope. Huh.
0: It was it was a weird experience, dude. It, it makes you realize the differences <laughs> in culture. Like you know, I was a little shithead that didn't value my education, and I had a number of African teachers that would remind me, like you know, you're fucking lucky to be here. Take advantage of this, yeah, and exactly. yeah.
1: Have you ever had opportunity to make use of French as an adult? I mean, no. <laughs> Not, I don't I,
0: I think it's one of the least utilitarian uh languages America, that exist. Like
1: it's English and then Spanish. You know, you know what? Outside of America, outside of the US, um so parts of Canada, the yeah. Europe and, and Africa, French would be amazing. Like I wish i I need to work on my French because you know, it's almost an even split between English-speaking African countries and French-speaking African countries. But in the U.S., it's pretty much like there's no use for it.
0: No, it's to- it's totally useless. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like Africa and Canada are similar in the like 50% English, 50% French. Mm-hmm. You just, you, when you dig into history, you realize how much time the French spent taking over other countries and taking advantage of them. But we don't, we don't need to get into political history here. But anyways, that's I just,
1: <laughs> well, hey, that's, know, man. that's French.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a small world, man. I, I still remember one of my, uh, I think it was like third grade. I had an African teacher who was from Cameroon. Mm-hmm. And it was his first year in the U S and I, as you know, you've known me long enough to know that I was probably a pain in the ass during school. Yeah, very and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He actually broke my desk. He like slammed oh, my mm. desk so hard with his fist that the desk broke. And that, oh, I mean, wow. it was, it's a very visceral memory that I have, but anyways, oh, wow. We move on. We move on. Okay. So you got to the U S and then what, like where did this entrepreneurial bug come from? Cause you've been a founder a couple of times. You just like fall backwards into it or is it something you always knew you wanted to do? Oh yeah. I, I definitely
1: always knew I was going to be um, a founder an entrepreneur. Um, I wasn't sure what the, the, the business would be about. Um, I think it comes from my dad um so actually not just him i think my family as a whole um we we've always been like entrepreneurs my my granddad my dad uh my uncles my brothers uh, many of us, you know, you know, you do formal education, get a job for a few years, and it's almost either you come back and work for, like, the family business or you, like, start something of your own. So it was always there in the back of my head, right? And growing up, I was always close to my dad, spent time with him at the office, always talked to him about business, and he taught me a lot of things. Um, and, and so when, when I came over here, um, I always knew that, you know what, I'm going to work for a few years. I'm gonna think about what, I, what what kind of business I want to start, uh, and so when the opportunity eventually came around, it was like, oh yeah, let's let's go for it. So yeah, it was always gonna happen. Always. That
0: is that is. Is that, is that a rare thing culturally in, in Africa? Cause I mean, that's like, that is a, not a thing you hear from most Americans. Like, even if their parent was like, you know, most Americans, like, if their parent was an entrepreneur, either yeah. I guess maybe some people go the direction you went, but most American children are like, fuck you dad or you know whatever and go the other direction right like they they're like ah my dad was a businessman i'm gonna go into the peace corps or something like that so you know was that a like a cultural thing in africa where there's just like this kind of entrepreneurial spirit throughout or do you think that's kind of rare
1: i know i think i think it's common enough um i think it's common enough especially from um the part of the country where i'm from so you nigeria is is one of those places where um, different parts of the country uh, have like different cultures, different languages, and so there are certain yeah. things that are unique to each of them. And so, in my part of the country, it's almost like a cliche that you know you're gonna do something business related at some point, right? It's it's very common. It's woven into like we're very entrepreneurial as a culture. Um, there's there's this thing. So I'm I'm Igbo, So if you if you know anything about the specific. Um, ethnicities in Nigeria. I don't expect a lot of people to, but even people... Yeah, please,
0: please explain. Even if I maybe know 1% of it, I'm sure the average listener is totally unaware.
1: (laughs) right. so, so, Nigeria is split around, like, say, almost 200 different ethnic groups, right? Wow. Um, Okay. And which, yeah, which most of the time makes for a very chaotic environment. Um, But, like, they have, like, the three or four, like, larger ones, um, so the the Yoruba, the Hausas, the Igbo's, um, and then the the there's a, dual, um, there's a handful of others, right? But these these guys are like the big population-wise, they're the big. So the Igbo's have um, what they call like the Igbo apprenticeship system. So as part of our culture, you you have it's, it. It almost works like a startup accelerator, a startup incubator model. Right where you, you have someone that starts a business, and then he he basically goes back and picks younger people, either from his extended family or you know from his town or you know people he just knows from within really his network somewhere who are still young and upcoming, and he trains them in his business. So they work under him for years, and during those times, it's almost like he gets free labor for those years. Um, but he, they are basically apprentices, and they're learning the yeah. business. And after like six, seven years, they learn different parts of the business. They start as they get older, they start to represent the company in like different meetings or travel to go and do some business or on behalf of their their patron, right? And then by the time they, they do six years the patron then is obligated to then give them startup capital um, to then set up their own business and get it running and then go pick up some some younger people and then train them again. So it's like this chain reaction. And there's a whole lot of like cultural elements to it. It's quite embedded into like the, the fabric of like where I'm from. So my dad, like growing up, we had like people living in our house who were learning my dad's business, um, trying to figure out how it works. And now majority of them are doing that same business in like different locations all over like Africa. So, um, and many of like many of them I keep in touch with them until today. And so when they graduate from this program, like, you know, my dad had to like give them money to start their own and do the same. So it's, it makes it, it makes for a very um, business oriented, culture. And so it wasn't a shock, you know, that a lot of us um, grew up and, you know, we want to start companies or want to do something entrepreneurial. It's, it's low key expected, right? So it's not common everywhere um, around Nigeria. So in the northern parts, they're more conservative, you know, get a fixed government job. Or get a, get a, get a job with a blue chip company and just, you know, do years at a company there for, but, but in my part of the, in my part of the country and in Lagos where there's a lot of younger people, um, entrepreneurship is, is pretty, pretty common. That's
0: really interesting, man. That sounds like a, a perfect storm for your perfect storm or perfect recipe or something for just like churning out entrepreneurs. So from, from, from that, like, I guess the next kind of piece of it to put the puzzle together is the Nigerian economy. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a lot of your, I mean, it seems like your whole life is based around trying to find solutions for Nigerians, but without having to experience maybe some of the folly of the Nigerian economy. So tell me about like why, like even by coins back to, you know, your, your earlier days, Mm-hmm. lay down kind of the the nigerian economy why is it the way it is like is is hyperinflation the biggest issue like what's what's the yeah. situation there
1: yeah so um if you go to my twitter bio um uh, twitter handle is e-l-d-i-v-y-n um, that's my handle on twitter but if you know my twitter bio i'd say that um i'm committed to uh, building financial solutions for the African continent, and so most of the, the businesses that I've involved myself in, or that I've started, have always kind of like focused around um, around that theme, right? And so the 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 big the big issues that we've identified that we're trying to tackle um one of them is so something you've pointed out which is um inflation right so inflation in nigeria um averages between 12 to 17% sometimes it goes even higher than that um so right yeah. now it's been on a it's been on an upswing for like a while so i think it, it it's approaching 19 percent now and so for, oh. for the average person in america you haven't seen inflation above like double digit inflation since like maybe the 70s right or or, or early 80s but even then it was never as sustained as what you see in Nigeria, but yeah, it, we've had double-digit inflation for ever, and and what what that does is that it makes it very difficult to do long-term anything around finances, whether it's long-term. You know, imagine um, you you have a loan, and and your loan has to be priced factoring a 17% inflation rate, that means that cost of capital is always like above 20-something percent for anything you want to do. So credit does not exist um, in any meaningful quantity. You can't do investments over the long term. You know, the way you do your 401k um and you're able to just put money away a little at a time over like a long time and then you retire knowing that hey, I'm gonna be able to live on my 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 nest egg and even pass something on. It's impossible to do that because you have people who retired um at a time when um say thirty thousand naira was worth uh three thousand dollars a month and um, they were like, okay, that's that's a good enough amount for me to live on as I've, I've retired, and they're, they're getting that every month. But within a few short years, thirty thousand naira is worth less than a hundred dollars, and it's like it's impossible to live on that. Oh. Like your pension, your pension does not grow; it's it's the same amount every month, so it's impossible. And then you see people who are putting money away, um, but you don't earn enough returns to actually. Beat inflation. So, um, how what kind of investment is going to give you double digits, twenty um, percent and above return every single year throughout your investment horizon, um, so that you can stay above this inflation issue? You can't, right? So, um, that's one of the big problems that that um, we we try to solve with uh, my, in both my previous and the current company. So, we started buy coins because we're like, well. Um, we had me and my co-founders, we had like related but slightly different motivations. But for, for the, the unifying factor was that we need to give people access to dollar denominated investments, um, which means that because dollar denominated investments means that one, you escape the high inflation rate. Um, the local currency is kind of um, pegged to the dollar, which means that if it's losing value, The dollar tends to gain value against our local currency. And if your investments are in dollars, um, then they will hold their value better. The inflation rate is lower. Um, But then, you know, we're like the best place to generate long-term investment returns in dollars is in the U.S. Um, But then we have to have people in Africa or people in Nigeria uh, moving funds into like U.S. assets. And um, you bump into some capital controls. Um, so that's another issue that we have where you're not able to move money where you want in the world. You know, you have to like fill out a form and say, hey, I want to get access to, I want to send money to the US for so and so reasons. And then the central bank has to either approve that or um, say no to that. So imagine the US Fed had to approve if you wanted to wire money to, to France. And they tell you, well, you know what, Zach, we don't think this is a legitimate use." of our scarce foreign currencies and so we're not gonna allow you to send this money out. You know, so this this kind of situations and and cryptocurrency was like the perfect solution for that, right? And so we said, hey, we're gonna build an exchange that allows people to access, um, move value anywhere they want to in the world, which will allow us to to, to bring their money into the US or anywhere else that wanna invest. And so when we solved that problem, which it took off like a bandit, I mean it was just doing great. Um, but we realized that cryptocurrency were not um, stable enough for the kind of long-term investments that people need. So there's there's mm-hmm. like a small segment of the population who are who are okay, you know, speculating on crypto and making money in the short term. But there's a huge segment of the population who just need something that is stable, consistent, and long-term. And crypto was not very good for that. And so we started uh, my current company, RiseVest, to essentially. Build out a dollar-denominated portfolio of traditional investments—stocks, real estate, fixed income—those basic things. I'll get, get you consistent returns annually, um, but is denominated in dollars, which will allow anybody to be able to do your 401k-type retirement, to, uh, do targeted long-term investments, and so on and so forth. Which is, you know, that's what we're currently doing. Um, so yeah, that's that's really the the journey around um startups for me. It's always been. Um, we have a lot of problems um, um, across the continent and rather than just um, build stuff because it's cool, we want to build stuff because it solves really fundamental problems for the people that live there. Um, and, 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 you know, we also know that it's going to allow us to build like really huge um, impact for companies doing that. And so those are kind of like the two drivers um, that, that, that that's gotten me to, to, to this point with startups.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the you know the the average fintech nerd in the United States probably doesn't think. That, I mean, I'll speak for myself. You know, before meeting you, I didn't really think through how low the fruit might hang in a continent like Africa. Even just you know what you're talking about in terms of the the stable investments for the long term. You know, mm-hmm. access to bonds to stocks, like all of that's great, right? But the thing that blew my mind when I first met you was the fact just moving into a dollar, right. Just moving it into the USD is in and of itself a value add. Like it just, it blows my mind that it's, it's that straightforward, right? Like just moving $10 or not $10. What What Lyra? Is that what you said? The N- Naira, Naira, yeah, Lyra, Lyra. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's wild, but go ahead. I think you were going to say something.
1: Yeah. I was just like, just to add color to what you just pointed out due to that inflation differential. Um, if I keep money, so I move my money from Naira into dollars. Like I don't even have to earn returns and it's just sitting there in dollars in five years time. Um, I'm going to have more money than if I had put that Naira into a Naira investment and earned returns, right? It's, it's ju- just sitting in dollars over a five-year period beats a whole lot of Naira investments, right? Because inflation is so high that um, it can't keep up. The, the the loss of value in the Naira can, can't even be fixed by generating your investment returns in Naira. So a lot of people, a lot of people just Put money in dollar, dollar, uh, dollar-dominated accounts and just leave it there, because it's better than it's better than even trying to invest it in there. And so we're building a, a company that says, "Hey, on top of having your money in dollars, now you can earn returns on it, so you can grow even faster, it can grow even better." Um, and and so far, I think um, people people get that and, and people are signing up for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the thing that blew my mind when we first met was the, the people signing up for that piece that you just, uh, just kind of mentioned, not that people were signing up for it, but the pace Mm -hmm. at which people were signing up for it. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like, let's share as much as you're open to sharing some of the user growth. Like, I couldn't believe, I still can't believe how fast you all are growing. Like, how long did it take you to get to your first thousand, your first, you know, 10 K, et cetera, et cetera? Tell me that story.
1: Yeah, so we, we put out the, the product. It was a beta um, ending of 2019, December of 2019. Um, and then we launched, uh, so we had about 3,000 people in our beta. And then we launched um, publicly in January of 2020. And we were able to hit within, so we went from 3,000 to 70,000 um, in less than, in about eight months. Um. And, and, yeah, you just it, said it was, 7,
0: seven zero seven zero, right? Not
1: seventeen, yeah, 7, but seventy thousand. 7, seven zero, yeah, seven zero. Um, and that's a growth it, rate, my friend. It, it was. Um, and we've we've also been kind of like so. We we got into tech stars on the back of that um, in middle of middle of last year, middle of in summer of last year, um, and then at the time. We were managing. Um, I'm, I'm always reluctant to because there's also like a lot of um, a lot of um, from from the regulatory standpoint. We also always have to be careful around you know how how we put the numbers out there. But I won't, without yes. mentioning specific numbers, our assets under management um, probably grew. Say, um, what's let me, let me quickly do back of the envelope yeah, math like, yeah, carry yeah, the exactly. two <laughs> so, so 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 we did about um we're 40 times so 400 percent um we did that same time frame Woo. right um wow 400 percent is four times so no so 4,000 percent, right that's 40 times correct me if i'm wrong please uh no I'm that sounds right head, that's but, you're yeah, also yeah, asking
0: like i've remember i learned i learned math in french and then i had to go to like remedial <laughs> math when i got to high school so math, math isn't i'm I'm okay at it if forced to do it but off the top of my head i'm just gonna agree with you that sounds right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, but that's so, bonkers um, man yeah we agree at 1000 percent that's 40 times the the on the management and yeah we even though we've not done and this is all like organic like this is We've not really been spending money on Google Ads and all of that because, again, we we launched with our uh, with our initial product and then we had to like redesign it from ground up um, towards the end of last year. You know, based on all the feedback that we've got from users and and when we then launched the second version of our app, um, you know, the reception for that was even you know even better than the, vers- the, the first one. So even now, um, we we we've not started doing like a lot of paid marketing and all. But even though we 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 plan to start doing that because we just closed that seed round and um, we're going to start to put put some money behind our marketing. Um, But yeah, all of the growth that we've experienced so far has been organic word of mouth and just, you know, family and friends are like the biggest source of new subscribers.
0: I mean, that just speaks to the, speaks to the power of the pain point, right? Like yeah. if if you're going from 3000 to 70,000 users in eight months, clearly there is an issue that you are solving that is adding value to people's lives. I mean, that's just, especially like, you know, I mean, in the U.S. B S B2C is like almost this, this redheaded stepchild, you know, B2C is, mm-hmm. is hard. B2C is something that generally venture capitalists are going to run away from and, you know, unless they're truly visionaries and like really convicted about something, but that's uh, without putting any dollars or Naira or anything behind it. That's just, I don't know. That's just unheard of. (laughs) And that's even, that's even more. I mean, you and I met during the tech stars program and it sounds like, it sounds like the, the hockey stick growth has just continued since then.
1: Yeah. So it's when we, when, from when we did tech stars, when we finished Tech Stars in October last year, to now, um, we probably have tri- more than tripled um, the the assets under management. Right. Oh uh, so yeah, so, it's still going.
0: Yeah, that's unbelievable. The other thing that really blew my mind about it was uh, the fundraising trajectory. So, how much at the point when we talked last year? How much had you had you raised by that at that
1: point? Uh, we had already only raised about two hundred thousand um, pre seed. (laughs) Whoo! $200,000 gets you. Jeez.
0: these are, these are not, these are not American B2C numbers. These are, these are unheard of (laughs) B2C numbers. How much was the seed round? How, and, uh, congrats Um, on that, by the way.
1: Can, can you tell me, um, you don't have to,
0: it's okay.
1: Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's not disclose, but, um, it's, it wasn't, it's not a huge, huge round, um, especially given the kind of, um, the kind of raises that we're, we're hearing, but it's enough for the masters that I want to take off. And uh, yeah, we're trying to keep some of those numbers under wraps. again, just yeah. of where we're coming from. Yeah. No worries, man. No
0: worries. And it's also, I mean, it's not an apples to apples comparison, right? Like even when you're talking yeah. about AUM, like AUM in the U S is, you know, you get one, one Google engineer that recently vested all their shares and left Google, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, and you, you, you increase, you increase AUM pretty significantly. But what mm-hmm. you're going after and solving is like, you know, actually not that Google engineers are not humans, um, but it's a real human need. Right. I think it's right. we often forget that being born in the US, you're like kind of kind of born on third base and like Man, the balls already is. hit and you can just like walk home.
1: You. I'm telling you, listen. Every single day, just just every single day, um, they, there's always one or two reasons for either myself or someone on my team to be like, "Man, thank God for America." Man, America has have it so great. Um, but but um, we, that's that's where we're trying to, we're trying to give um, people who traditionally might not have this kind of access, we're trying to make it possible for them to also enjoy some of the some of those benefits and. And it's it's been a really exciting. I remember when we're starting, someone was like, "Hey, you know, this is not a product that um, is how do I put it? You you, it's not just about oh here we're making money for people. It's also the people that we're making this money for. So am I making money for people who are already like well off and have all the resources that they have at their disposal? But what we're seeing is Everyday people, you know, everyday young, young, young middle class, you know, starting starting their work life, starting their, their professional life, thinking about where do I put my money, you know, how do I grow my money, given the environment, um, or people who are watching inflation hit their paycheck, and then they are saying, okay, well, if I put it here, um, it at least holds it holds enough of its value, and so there's that um beyond the numbers and beyond the AUM, and there's that um. Quality that, hey, these are, um, we're actually having a real impact um, and, and making, thing, making a real difference um, to this set of people that traditionally have never had something like this. And so that's like the extra reward on top of everything else.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think, I think a lot of people in the industry are like, I get out of bed every day to help people. And, you know, like, think, you know, think generally that, you know, things are, we're doing good things for the world, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. uh- Ohad Summit comes to mind that runs a company called True Accord. Uh, and they're like the, you know, the friendly debt collector. Like I know OHAD gets out of bed. I mean, he's in Sweden, so I don't his time frame is weird, but gets out of bed in midday or whatever, since he works Pacific Time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, to to do good for the world. Like I really and like he's one of those people that I really believe that about and it's because I know him and it's because I know the business, but it's, it's like so clear to me getting to know you, why you get out of bed every day and why you do this. And mm-hmm. I can't even, imagine. dude, if I were you, I would probably be like, I mean, some of the stories you've already told me have gotten me close to tears, but I would be probably like, <laughs> crying. like, Oh my God, we actually like, you're getting people out of poverty, man. You're changing people's lives. That, that, has to-
1: that does happen. Like, so it's, it's our mission statement is that, Hey, like, we, our goal is to be um, the most in, impactful um, fintech company in our space, and we want to do that is to connect our users to the best wealth creating opportunities in the world. Because um, back back in Nigeria, back in, in Africa as a whole. Um, there's there's such a scarcity of like wealth creating opportunities for the average young person and yeah like i've had i've had uh, messages like like what you're talking about you know being moved almost to tears you know there was there was a lady that that sent us a message last year and you know it, last year was very rocky right so the, the beginning of the year the stock market was going crazy because of all the lockdowns and then you know people a lot of things were going on with the pandemic and people were losing incomes and everything and it was so you know, it was so difficult, it was so tough, even for my team, um, everyone around, um, I mean, the whole world, really. And so you you get this bright spot to where, you know, this lady sends us a message. It was like, you know, with all the craziness that has happened this year, uh, being 2020, um, that Rise was one of the best things to happen to her because, you know, we at least got her financially through one of the toughest she's she's been through and was able to keep things together, partly because she was using rice throughout the year. And so um, you get a message like that and you remember it, you know, during the moments when a whole lot of things aren't going perfectly. Um, and you remember, oh, man, there's a lot of impact that we've already created and we're just getting started. And So it just kind of puts more gas in your engine and, and it just keeps you going.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting over here in Kansas City and you give me goosebumps, <laughs> man. Like, gets me excited. This is super random, but are you a UFC fan
1: at all? Um, I watch it. I'm not like a s- super into it, um, but I do watch it. So I watch, um, this Nigerian, um, dude, uh, Israel, uh, designer, and he is the last style
0: bender, cool. isn't he? A yes. I love it. Yeah. Fucking yes. dude. I love Izzy. Have you yeah. seen, um, have you ever seen Francis and Ganu fight or do you know who he is? no uh
1: so he's the he's the guy that that had to like cross the desert to to get to europe and then come to america exactly yeah exactly i i I heard that story and man that is an incredible story like i would never want to go up against someone like that because they've defeated crazier things um to get to where they are man so yeah yeah i i know that story
0: yeah, man. He, he worked at a, in a sand mine growing up, like literally just scooping sand and putting it into trucks. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is not a, you know, it's not, it's not a fight podcast, <laughs> but uh I just, I think about Francis Ngannou and just seeing what an inspiration he is. Cause I mean, Israel Adesanya, yeah. He's, you know, from Nigeria, but like by way yeah, of New Zealand. New right. Zealand, so he's right, yeah. exactly. So yeah, he, he's Nigerian for sure. But like, Hit, like, I think more of, like, Kamara Usman, The Nigerian Nightmare, or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but Francis specifically, you remind me of him because of, I, I just, I can imagine being, I can't imagine, but I, I'm going to try to imagine being a kid in Nigeria and seeing you know the story and seeing kind of what you've been able to do with rise and i'm sure that what you're doing is an inspiration to a lot of people entrepreneurially you know not only are you helping people get that you know get into the dollar you know using the app like all of that's great but you as a founder you as an individual coming to the u.s i mean dude it's the it's the fucking american dream right like what can you can you believe where you are
1: today you know what I, I I know that um I've been yeah I look at I look at where I am right now and I look at um say, when I just came to America right and it's like the the what comes to mind is there's this um there's I think the year that I came was the year that Jay-Z dropped um Blueprint 3 so that was 2009
0: and <laughs> Yeah, that's a yeah. good. I love yeah. it. We should always. We should always <laughs> landmark the date based on the Jay Z album associated with <laughs> that. You know, I think that is a. That is a, that's that is a good landmark.
1: <laughs> that's true. You you could do that literally up until nine, and then he started spacing some years. But yeah. Um, so wow. there the, the, there was um he drops like this young forever and there was this lyric. It was like you know um you know the with a little ambition, just what you can become here, right? And I always mm. used to. That, that line when i just moved to the u.s because it's like man here i am new country um just in a completely new environment everyone around me is like different so the culture shock is crazy and um, and you know um i was just like hey it's just me whatever opportunities are in front of me and hey let's try to let's try to make the best of it right so um i always used to to, to to repeat that line and just to kinda of like motivate myself and say, hey, you can do a lot of great things here. Um and and so far it's it's it was, you know, I did I had a scholarship to to, to college, um, had a great had a great experience. Um I was just reflecting on some of my friends that hey, you know, we did appreciate at the time the fact that hey we're graduating from college with no student loan debt like that's such a huge leg up right and, and then we started working and you know it was making a good living and 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 then when everything really kind of like took off and, and took on an, an extra dimension was when I realized um, the the whole the whole the whole um, kind of like substrate of what I do is we, we, I live here in the U.S., and this is such a great economy, a great environment, and with a lot of opportunity. And there's a whole lot of people at home who are not able to, to get access to some of the things that we get access to by being here. And if there was just a good enough way, a good enough way to give them access to some of that, that would, you know, some of the opportunities here they can take advantage of it, even without having to be here. That's like the, the, the background layout, the, the what's under all of the thought process behind what I'm doing. It's just um, I'm here and I've benefited from, I've been super lucky and super blessed to um, get access to some of the things that I have here. And not everybody can physically come here, but the internet and technology um, has made it possible for people to get access to some of these opportunities even though physically they're not here. And so that that's um it's partly it's it's work, um, but it's also partly just um like extending the same or trying to extend some of the things that have have benefited um to a whole new set of people. And hopefully that that, that also proves to be transformational for them as well. Right? So um I, I move back and just to, to kind of think through um, the point you made about watching people. Um, growing up, um, I'm going to be the first to admit that I probably was a little bit privileged. Um, and so I kind of just, like I went to the school that I, the, the primary school, the elementary school that I went to in Nigeria was, Owned by an American, um, and the system that they used was a lot different. There was a lot of things that I just took for granted, like oh yeah, of course, like you know, you're supposed to have a car um, or you know travel or whatever. But then I got older, actually moved to the US, and then started interacting with people who are still in Nigeria. And as I started learning more about the country that I left as a kid, um, it became so apparent that. There was so much that I that I had experienced that was not the norm at all. Like the average person out there is not living like this. And and then when you come and when you look around at how people live here, like owning a car sixteen is considered normal, um, or at least not normal, but at least it's it's not outrageous, not crazy. Um, the 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 things that people are able to do here, the opportunities that they're able to and then you just look back at what's going on down there, you're like, man, um it doesn't we we can't just allow we can't just say, well, you know what, it's Nigeria, it's Africa, and there's nothing we can do about it. Um in our own little way, let's try to do something. And and thankfully, what we have tried to do is making a difference. And and that's so my 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 wish and the driving force is that We're able to like for us one, and this is not this is not just feel good talk. It's 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 real. Like what I think about is, I want us to get to a point where we can say there is a million people who have seen a material difference in their lifestyle or their wealth, um, or just generally the kind of opportunities accessible to them because they are using our products not just the current one but any other ones that we're going to create that's that's like a real driving force
0: i mean i think that's what makes that's what makes it approachable though right like that like kind of coming back to the francis and ganu thing like not (laughs) i don't know if you've ever seen him but you know not (laughs) not everyone can be that right six foot eight natural 280 pounds and like Mm -hmm. (laughs) just just a jaw of steel you know that's like one in a million people maybe (laughs) probably more like Mm -hmm. one in a billion uh but what you're doing right i mean yeah you're a generally gifted guy you're smart you have you know a lot of stuff going for you but you're also i mean you're not you know you're you're an average human at the end of the day right yeah and you've accomplished a lot man so that's that's what i think is most inspiring about it is like it's, it's like for me, you know, like I, when I grew up, like most of, most of the kids that I grew up around until I was probably like 12 or 13, like really the only sense of potential success that they had in their lives was basketball or football, right? Like you, you had to play a <laughs> sport to get out of the neighborhood. That was really it. And yep. to have, to have entrepreneurs in that world, to just see people succeeding and having a role model, even if it's not exactly what you want to do, I mean, it's a huge deal, you Absolutely. know, and a lot of those, a lot of those kids now are in jail or dead or, you know, a lot of different shitty situations and I'm very lucky to be where I am, but I just, I, I can imagine a number of African children, you know, a, a year or two from now, if the current, you know, with the current growth rate can continuing a million, isn't probably that far off uh, mm-hmm. just being inspired and starting something based on what you're doing. It's, Man, it's a beautiful thing
1: that will be that will be, be, be so amazing and hey you you are and um, we we've talked a little bit about how you've you know how you've, you've kind of moved with your career but I don't think uh, we we talked a lot about like growing up and how you got started so um, maybe I don't know maybe next podcast I should interview you or I don't know but I, <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely want to learn more about that because. Uh, well, you're personally. you're allowed you're
0: allowed to ask me questions, man. That's the yeah, I would man, say that's let, one let of the things about for Tech's tech. Well, which hear, part? Let,
1: let me Just hear the whole how you we were able to yeah. So how were you able to go from however you started out to like landing in tech? Because you've done like I'm super impressed. For instance, like you've done something with brokerage um, and trying to like build like tech into. A very traditional sector. Like I had to come to you for like ideas, and you were like, oh yeah, we did this this way, and then you didn't come. Uh, and, and and I don't know. So tell me how you even got started into into tech world.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, honestly, I got lucky. Is the fast version. Um, I and listeners will know portions of the story, but I, I very much don't mind you know ans- answering the question, and hopefully it's not too uh, too redundant, but. It started with anger, basically. When I was a kid, it was less that I wanted to get into technology. It was more that I, living in Kansas City, it's the payday loan kind of capital of the United States, right? So you can throw a rock and hit a check cashing place, throw a rock, hit a payday (laughs) lender, right? Like it's just very, very, very poor actors in pretty much every direction. And especially in the neighborhood I grew up in, there was, you know, food stamps was just kind of a standard thing. Like a lot of these, a lot of these things that, you know, are wonderful pieces of the American economy. It's it so good that we have the safety net, but you also see people get taken advantage of. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to college, I ended up doing an internship uh, at an investment, ba- oh, fuck it. And people know at this point, Merrill Lynch. And <laughs> I really, like, I really enjoyed it. I thought I wanted to spend the rest of my life in finance and then I learned about the difference between a broker dealer and a fiduciary Mm -hmm. and kind of the ability to you know as you're very familiar the ability to take that fiduciary hat off sell somebody Mm -hmm. an annuity with the broker dealer hat then put the fiduciary (laughs) hat back on you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly it's kind of a it's almost it's yeah it's comical at this point we we laugh to keep from crying kind of a thing but just all Mm -hmm. of that dude just pissed me off man I was so angry and I couldn't believe like I didn't want to help you know like the i I love the chiefs as an example and one of the wealth managers that i was working close to at merrill was managing some of the money for the family that owns the chiefs and i was like oh this is really cool and then i had this moment of like oh wait i grew up in an area like what like i need to go help the people that 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 I grew up with. I need to help the people that I just referenced that are in jail right now. You know, I need to go do something that actually fucking matters. And I realized that like helping the rich get richer is definitely not that Yep. So I studied entrepreneurship in school. Realized really quickly that entrepreneurship is not really a thing you can learn in a classroom. Sorry, kids. And <laughs> uh, you know, went out, started, just started either starting startups that all failed or joined startups. And you know the story about Bloom. That's how I got to Bloom. Yes. And that's how it all started, man. Basically, just kind of Bloom was an online-based R- RIA. And because of that, I was interested in, you know, we were partnering with Yodli. I was like, how's this data aggregation stuff work? And it just kind of spiraled from there. And I don't know. I mean, for me, I think just like anger, ang- anger <laughs> is a really good motivator if put it, to it use correctly.
1: You know? It absolutely is. Well, yeah. Okay. So you see that, that story is not that much uh, different from, from again, some of the experience that, that also got me here. Um, but it is though, right?
0: Like, it, yeah, the there is overlap, right? Like, I think yes. that's why you and I were able to get along so well. I mean, dude, what do we spend like ten minutes during Techstars? stars and like, times. you know, <laughs> yeah? I fa- I fell in love with you, dude. I would I would have proposed at that moment, like, <laughs> yeah. So <it's yeah. laughs> <Seriously. laughs> that's that's why Yeah, no, I I mean it too, man. I mean it too, and I think that's why. Bad, you sometimes you can just meet somebody 10 minutes in and you're like okay there's a brotherhood here or you know there's a there's a kinship here I feel that way with a lot of different people that I meet and I don't feel that way with a lot of different people that I meet but mm-hmm. but there's a fucking difference right like gr- being just being born in the hood in the United States is still from my perspective feels like you're on third base, you know, I mean, maybe it's second base or something, but just the the infrastructure that we have in the U S the American dream is a lot more achievable than if you grow up in Africa and you have to figure your way over here. Right. So really? I, I do agree. We have a lot in common, but also bro, like what, what you've done to get to where you are is it's it's inspiring, man. I really mean it.
1: Yeah, I man. I appreciate that. Man. I really do. appreciate that. Um, and I, I definitely look forward to, um, the, the next few years. Um, I mean, you've been, you've been a huge resource in terms of just, um, bouncing questions off, like intro me to people. Uh, I can, I can talk about some of the, some of the, but knowing where we're going and, and one of the things I always say is, um, there's, there's change that needs to happen on both sides. So, um, just to, um, there's a, this, the U.S. system, especially the financial system, which is where we're playing, um, is not yet at that point where it's very—it's—it's um, it's a very good fit for trying to build like an international uh, access or audience on top of it, right? And so, a lot of things are have done for okay, well, it's, this is U.S. only, and this is U.S. only, and so we—we've had to figure out how do we um, how do we try to like customize. Um, some of the things that are designed for the US market, but put it in a way that it's usable for people who might not exactly um, be um, in the US themselves, right? And so um, there, there's been a lot of times when I had to come and say, hey, you know, here's like, I'm trying to do A, B, C, and they're and, and we like, oh, you know, talk to, talk to this guy. Um, one so we'll just happened like a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I'm trying not to mention the names on the call, but um, things like <laughs> that. Um, um, the, the point I'm trying to make is, you do need. There's a reason you meet people, and um, hopefully, you know, as you as you talk to those people, and and they shape the kind of things that you're able to do, right? And so um, that's that's one of the things that I've, that I appreciate about you know knowing you and being friends with you. And definitely look forward to. Um, us being able to do a lot more of that and hopefully you come to visit Nigeria. That's, that's something I'm looking forward to.
0: Oh man, that, that, that I would love, I would love nothing more than to spend some time with you in Nigeria. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by Africa. I think in general, there's this, this kind of you know it's it's so busy we started, we started in the U.S.
1: You <laughs> started life being taught by Africans, so exactly, <laughs> bro. Like, I, I, yeah. like
0: I, it's like this full circle thing of just like I, you know, it's, I my my french dialect is like more cameroonian than it is anything else like so so much of me is actually weirdly in that continent but not at all right like i'm fucking the definition of an american white dude so not really but there is a lot of things that there's a lot of things that i i think i could learn from being over there and also just like this financial industry in the us like it's there's like you said there's a lot of problems to solve but i think that we've reached this point of we've we're the 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 products that are in the market now i think for the most part are solving most of the key points right like mm-hmm. i mentioned true accord getting out of debt like a lot of the, these things exist maybe they're not as widely distributed as they should be yet but the technology but, is built right. and i think the the thing about africa is a lot of that technology is just not built yet Right. But you, because you're an example, right? You build one thing, you put no ad dollars behind it, and you got 70,000 people on your Mm -hmm. platform in like eight Mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fruit hangs low, dude. I mean, it sounds like you just walk around, pick it up off the ground, take a bite, (laughs) put it back down. Like, I, I gotta experience this, man. So, anyways, I know, I know we're kind of coming up on time here soon. I could talk to you for hours and hours, but give me a little bit of like what the future holds for Rise. Um, What, you know, are you going to be hiring soon? How much of the business is going to be in you know built in Nigeria versus built here? T- tell me, <laughs> tell me the story. What's what's
1: so, the future hold? So we we've actually added like a bunch of people to the team. So um, we we've we've hired like the core team that is going to drive the next few um, months, at least a year plus of of, of what we are trying to achieve. Um, but we're putting the early we're putting setting up things so that. Um, we are going to start expanding our US presence. Um, so here's here's how I imagine, or here's how I believe um, the, the the future is going to evolve for us. Um, one is um, so based on the licenses we're trying to acquire, based on the infrastructure we're trying to put in place, um, we need to expand our US your um, US presence, build more relationships across different different verticals of um, so banks, uh, banks, investment brokers. And 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 all of that, Um, and that's that's one side of it. Um, The next, the next, um, the next thing that we're thinking about is going beyond Nigeria. So that's actually a lot more, um, um, lot more. It's going to happen sooner, right? So, um, going from Nigeria to Ghana, Kenya, um, South Africa, um, and, and Namibia, just spread our tentacles across, um, across the continent. Because we've already seen, like, we have people asking us every day, when are you guys going to move to Ghana? Or when are you coming to Cameroon? When are you coming to Kenya? And we're like, you know, we kind of have to take, we don't have enough capital to go after all of the opportunities, which, which means that uh, we, we're going to try to go into Nigeria and try to, like, spend some money and build, build out our distribution locally. And then we're going to start thinking about how to move across the continent. Um, and then deepening our U.S. relationships means that we're going to be able to offer more. We're going to be able to build new kinds of like whether well, assets, um, assets for people to invest in, um, new capabilities on our app, um, take advantage of crypto. So um, again, I am pretty deep. I mean, started a crypto exchange. We're still very, very active, looking at DeFi, looking at. Um, some of the the adoption that is happening in the crypto space where Visa is now allowing um, stable coins as settlement mechanisms, you know, the, the U.S. Uh, banking um, industry or banking regulators are saying, hey, you can you now use stable coins for settlement. And so we're thinking about how we can leverage some of the capabilities in crypto to solve other problems for our users. Um, and also, we're even thinking about the other side of things where a lot of people in the US who might want to invest across these markets, but in a way that still allows them to, you know, you, they're not going to be exposed to some of that currency risk. And so they want to keep their investment in dollars to manage it from here, um, but still get access to some of the, the opportunities that are in Africa um, We're thinking about how to make this kind of things possible. So um, the next few years are going to be exciting. Um, and, and, you know, Connecting with the right investors, with, with the right talent, um, and people that really care about what the problems we're solving is going to be like super, super helpful. Like just because that's going to give us, um, I guess, the, the ability to go after all of these things. Um, but yeah, that's that's how the next few years are looking for us. So it's going to be busy.
0: I can, I can just like hear you pull, pouring the rocket fuel into the gas <laughs> tank, dude. It's, it makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. So investors, uh, potential customers, humans of all sorts. If you want to get in touch with my good friend here, rise.capital, what else, uh, what are the other best ways to get in touch with you? Are you, are you bold enough to put your email out there? Or they should find you on LinkedIn.
1: Um you know what? I'll put my email because hey, it is your podcast and, and I know that your audience is amazing. Um so um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them to email um aka at rise.capital. Um if you want to get in touch with me personally, it's ek rise.capital. Um if it's a general inquiry, um you can send us a message at hello at rise.capital, um h-e-l-l-o at rise.capital. Those are like the two best ways to get in touch with either the team or myself. Um, and yeah, we, we, would then, uh, I'm looking forward to like, just connecting with people, um, and talking about what we're trying to do and make new friends. I mean, Zach has been amazing. Um, so I'm sure that all, um, all the friends of Zach will be just as great as he is. So yeah, um, that's, that's the best way to reach us. Just-
0: You gotta love it, man. Yeah. All, all, all seven of my friends are listening right now. So you'll probably, you'll, you'll probably get a, a, you'll probably get an email.
1: (laughs) If I have seven seven friends like you, um, I think especially, um, people who understand, um, I think that's, that's one of the things. So, So it doesn't look, I mean, people that understand where we're coming from, but also what we're trying to do. It makes a world of difference. It, it really does. Um, even for my investors, like my favorite investors are people who actually care about um, the work we're trying to do and also understand why it's important. Um, that 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 usually makes every other thing just fall into place very neatly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, well, number one, I appreciate you saying all that, man. You're too, you're too kind. Second, <laughs> it's, it's rare that you have something staring as, I mean, I've, you know, done a couple angel investments and, uh, it, it's rare that you have a company staring you in the face that is growing like absolute wildfire and also actually helping people, right? Like the, this, mm-hmm. this Venn diagram doesn't often mm-hmm. kind of meet in that way. So yeah, I, I, I can imagine the kind of investors that you do have. And uh, yeah, we need, to, we need to talk more and I need to get you in touch with some more people. So reach out to we'll Eek, uh, Capital, and I'll put all of it in the show notes. My dude, this has been a blast. We got to do it again. And I hope I get to see you in person sometime this year.
1: Oh yeah, man. I, I, think, I think you will. I think you will. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, of course, brother. Of course. Anytime. Anytime you got news, anytime you want to talk, you know, anytime you need a, a therapy session that you're open to recording. But, you know, you got my phone number, so you can call me anytime, too. All
1: right. Sounds good. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of for fintech's sake with eek at rise vest i've added pertinent links to the show notes if you want to dig deeper into rise and learn more about eek don't forget to subscribe rate review and do all the other things i'm supposed to remind you to do in your favorite podcast app as the incredibly responsible podcast host that I am. And if you want our weekly emails, go to ForFintechSake.com to subscribe. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and go Chiefs. Bye, y'all.